1: All right. Time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Okay. Bail reform yes. front and center here. We the had news the conference 1030. Right. So we had the, uh, the sort of summit meeting of all the justice ministers in Ottawa. You had Mike Farnworth out there mm-hmm. for the government. The attorney general was out there. They've got some sort of a deal, right? And they're going to be making more announced, more details at 10.30? Yeah, so uh,
2: Farmer says they very pleased with the outcome. Uh, all the provinces on the same page along with Ottawa. So there's going to be criminal code changes that will require sort of a, a reverse onus for repeat violent offenders who commit uh, crimes with weapons. They're going to have to show why they should be released on bail uh, and make a, a, a great argument in front of a judge rather than just having the assumption they are going to be released the cr- and the onus on the Crown to make the case why they shouldn't be uh, remain in jail. So it's a it's a reverse of what the current situation is, and um, I think the Justice Ministers like what they heard. So we're going to hear from uh, Public Safety Minister Mike Farnworth and Attorney General Nikki Sharma at 10.30 this morning.
1: Okay, very interesting how they're switching this around. So the, the current system is... The onus is on the state. On the crown. Right, on the crown to prove that the person should stay in jail. Now they're going to put the onus on the accused to prove that they can be safely released. Mm-hmm. So the burden has now been switched, switched to the other. yeah,
2: Completely the opposite of what the current system is. And as I said, I talked to a says all the justice ministers of various sorts uh, at the meeting, very pleased with what they're hearing from Ottawa. Okay. Now, the timing is going to be interesting. I'm not sure they can get the criminal code amended quickly. That might, it might take a year, uh, but harm part of it's is going to be done much sooner than that.
1: Okay, there's a lot of pressure on the federal government to do this, not just from B.C., but other provinces as well. So let's have a listen to the federal justice minister on this point. This is David Lametti. Have a listen.
3: The reforms will address the challenges posed by repeat violent offenders, as well as offences committed involving the use of firearms and other weapons, such as knives and bear spray.
1: Okay, this is a long time coming, and boy, I mean, for I think most people in the public are thinking, why has this taken so yeah, long? No, We've just seen some unbelievable examples of people who've committed like uh, play, literally hundreds of offences. Plays would
2: almost nightly on the news hour of videos of these random violence, and yeah. these are not... First-time offenders. These are chronic offenders. Uh, you've had store owners on talking about the the, the crime uh, downtown, not just vandalism, but threats and people with. And again, weapons are broadly defined. It's not just a gun or a knife. It, it can be it can be a stick, a club. As the minister said, even bear spray. Uh, which is increasingly used in some of these incidents. So I think the public's totally on side with this. Yeah,
1: us. yeah. well, the first guest I had on the show this morning was the owner of a vape shop in downtown Vancouver on Smythe Street near Granville, so near the very busy mm-hmm. entertainment district there. And on Friday, 10 o'clock in the morning, two guys go into the store, rob the place at Knife Point. So the video, surveillance video on this is unbelievable. The guy comes in with this huge knife, points it at yeah. this young kid who's working in the store, right up against his stomach forces them to open the cash register, they rifle the place for a whole bunch of vape products, and then take off as a lookout man out, outside as well. So this is the kind of stuff that's going on. I don't and know, then I spoke I don't know to how
2: it. store owners in downtown Vancouver cope, frankly, with some of these threats. I mean, this is not just vape shops. I mean, we've had so many store owners on Global and NW with their stories yeah. of the violence they experience and the threats they experience. from people who are uh, violent offenders and repeat violent offenders. And these are the people now with these criminal code changes, presumably are going to remain behind bars rather than being released 30 minutes after they get picked up. Presumably. Presumably.
1: And it really has changed. Like this guy told me that, okay, we've been robbed before. Like we've Mm -hmm. had robberies before. We've had break-ins. But this is like next level. Like someone coming in 10 o'clock in the morning Hoodies on, masks covering their face with with a freaking knife, mm-hmm. and, and stick the place up. And some young guy is terrified working in there. And I spoke to Howard Chow, the deputy chief of the Vancouver Police Department, and he went through some of the stats. Violent crime has gone up. So you know, yeah, so
2: it's it's interesting. The overall crime rate has gone down because and the most common crimes are things like car break-ins, um, B and E's. But because people are staying home in the pandemic and working from home and not driving as much, those crimes have gone down. So the overall crime rate goes down. But violent crimes are up significantly.
1: Let's have a listen. Now, now here's the other side of it, because you will continue to have arguments that keeping people locked up in jail is not the answer. And you're actually going to make it worse. So listen to this. This is Michael Spratt who is a criminal justice lawyer, he's a justice reform advocate, disagrees with with putting these stricter bail provisions on. Have a listen. When we look at the cost, both in dollars and cents, the the social cost, the fact that when you detain someone in custody, it actually makes it more likely that they'll commit an offense while released. Okay, so he's arguing that this is actually going to... backfire no, and ricochet I, I don't I,
2: know I haven't seen any evidence to back up that statement yeah. but in, in terms of dollars and cents the, the public is totally against that sentiment I mean we're seeing this this violent crimes the likes of which we haven't seen ever. Uh, play out on a nightly basis in, in particularly urban areas, but not co- necessarily confined to, to urban areas. The violence on the streets right now is is quite significant. And this argument, just release everybody and everybody will be okay. Sorry, that's not going to cut it with the public.
1: Okay, so there'll be new information on this at 10.30 here this morning. So we had a bank failure in the yeah. United States. This is uh, not very reassuring. The Silicon <laughs> Valley Bank uh, here is U.S. President Joe Biden commenting on the failure of this bank in the United States.
3: Americans can have confidence that the banking system is safe. Your deposits will be there when you need them. Small businesses across the country that deposit accounts at these banks can breathe easier knowing they'll be able to pay their workers and pay their bills. Still
1: gives you a little deja
3: vu.
2: Here, of it? Lehman Brothers. Yeah. It's not the Depression bank failures. Every time you hear the word, the phrase "bank failure," yeah. you shudder down your spine, sort of thing. So it's interesting. There's been a lot, you know, lots of coverage here of of the nervousness associated with the Silicon Valley bank failure, which is presumed to have a ripple effect through the economy. But Biden, I think a lot of authorities have learned from the meltdown in 2006 with the Lehman Brothers of steps to take quickly rather than wait to see what happens.
1: Yeah, would you say that Canada's banking system is more stable?
2: Oh, uh, every analyst says that Canada's bank system one is the envy of the world. Very robust, very stable uh, so not, not expected to have an impact up here. But we're a small player on the world economic stage. So we'll see exactly what the long-term ramifications of this are. But, again, talking to finance officials here
1: in Victoria, um,
2: just, they're just keeping a nervous eye on this. We'll yeah. see what happens. You
1: know? Okay. Did you watch the Oscars on the weekend? A little bit. Okay. A little
2: bit. Frankly, the Oscars, to me, are not what they used to be. I think they've lost their allure, their, their sort of mojo. Uh, it used to be Diverger watching for years, everyone, you had Oscar parties, everyone yeah. getting together. But I just think they've lost their mystique. Yeah. And, and fewer people are going to the movies. Uh, it's not quite the same as it was, well, it's nowhere near the same as it was years ago.
1: Yeah. So the movie that won Best Picture, the everything, everywhere, all at once, mm-hmm. right? right? So I didn't see that, oddly enough. And you weren't excited about it? I wasn't. Well, my son is a movie buff, and he was very keen, and he encouraged our whole family to go to this thing. So we went, and he loved it. My wife enjoyed it. My other son liked it, and I was, like, falling asleep. You know, but I was also watching it going, this is the, one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen. There were some really surreal sequences in it. Parts of it were entertaining, but I, I found sort of the surreal elements of it. I was like, what am I watching here?
2: Yeah, there was and- no real grabby movie. Yeah. This time around. I mean, even this one it got most of the nominations, most of the hype, but you're, you're right, the reaction from a lot of people, and I haven't seen it myself, but I've had family members seen it, that... uh had some family members see it, and the projector broke with like thirty minutes to go and they didn't they said, well, whatever didn't really care they didn't, it care. didn't really because care. Because it <laughs> care It wasn't, it, wasn't <laughs> it was interesting, but not uh not uh suspenseful or you had to had to see the absolute. End. but again, back to the Oscars. Yeah. I just think the whole ceremony has just lost its way.
1: it just doesn't have the appeal that it used to have yeah i don't, I don't really watch it much anymore either
0: This episode is brought to you by shopify.
1: Keith Baldry is my guest, Baldry's Beat, discussing bail reform. 10.30 a.m. is when we expect to get some more details on this. Let's have a listen to Premier David Eby here. He is making the case for stricter bail reform. Have a listen.
0: He needs to change them. He needs to change the rules. So the assumption is if someone is a repeat violent offender, that they're kept behind bars
1: and not released back in the community. It's very straightforward, uh, and we think they should do that work now. It's uh, It's quite urgent. Your
2: yeah, thoughts? so that's what's happening. So the criminal code is going to be amended, but the question is of timing. How quickly can this happen? Um, can it be done in, right now in the current session, or does it have to wait till next year? That's that's the unknown
1: thing. So the feds have said, okay, this is coming, but we're just not certain when.
2: I haven't heard a time frame uh, promise yet. Uh, amending the criminal code is no small thing. It can take a bit of time, so we'll see uh, how that unfolds. But the commitments there, again, talking to Farmworth, very happy with what they heard in Ottawa from their federal counterparts,
1: let's go to your phone calls. Brian and Langley. Hi, Brian. go ahead
3: Hi, guys. can you hear
1: me yep
3: yeah okay my my what I think is a definition of bail is when someone gets charged with an offense rather than hanging out in jail, they can post a post bail Now some of these guys can't afford bail, so they get a they pay a certain fee for a bail bondsman to provide bail. Now all these bails uh, have restrictions of what they can and can't do. So if a guy uh, gets charged with assault one day, he's out on bail. He, he gets charged with assault the second day. He's in comfort, total comfort, Tradition of of the bail uh, rule. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He he should go to jail and. And the bail bond should be called, and or if someone puts up cash for bail, they lose it.
1: Well, that all sounds great, except we've had so many prominent examples where this doesn't happen. I mean, we've had guys who were out on bail of killed police officers in Canada who have been in many contravention people on bail, just bail just restrictions.
2: Simply with a promise to reappear. Yeah. No money, um, no surety, just a promise to, to reappear. And we've seen. Dozens of instances. I mean, it's come up in the B.C. legislature many times. The liberals have unearthed so many instances of people Uh. having dozens, even more than a 100 interactions with police over a very short time period where they're constantly released from custody with a promise to reappear. And to to appear at a, at a later court date. And in the meantime, they commit more offenses.
1: Okay, let me ask you real quickly about the situation with local municipal property taxes. And the big one, the big example we saw in Surrey, where they were able to get some money from the provincial government, roll back that big seventeen and a half percent. Well, everybody's tax.
2: getting money from the provincial government, right? Not right, just everybody. Everyone. And it's not because Surrey made a special case. It's just purely. Based on population and population growth in particular. Surrey's population growth is phenomenal. They're getting the most money, ninety million dollars, one time only funding. Brenda Locke using it or suggesting they may use it to curb that uh pair that tax increase from seventeen and a half to twelve and a half
1: Right. So let's listen to Brenda Locke right now, the mayor of Surrey on this point. Have a listen.
2: I don't want to deliver a seventeen point five percent increase. Not one person on council wanted to see that happen. The problem was we came into a mess. We came into a, a council that was faced with poison pills, with mis- mismanagement for four years, and we have to right a wrong.
1: Okay, so blaming it on the previous city council. But of, which, now, of which she was a member. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she didn't mention that part. Right, and then now she gets this pot of money from Victoria. Oh, oh Here's the, to roll, here's roll the problem, maybe
2: maybe pointed this out uh, last week. If you... If a municipality takes this money, which is significant for many municipalities, $90 million for Surrey, 48 million, $49 million for Vancouver, $26 million for Burnaby, uh, and so on, uh, many municipalities getting m- more than $10 million. If they roll that into operations, into, into ongoing servicing, that means that money has to be there next year unless they want to reduce those, eliminate those services next year, which could re- uh, result in layoffs and such. Because this is a one-time funding grant. It's not an ongoing. Right. You can't put, if you put it in the base of your budget, you're going to have to fund it yourselves next year, which either means another big tax hike to pay for it yeah. or the elimination of those services. That's the conundrums uh, councils face now. Mm-hmm. What do they do? do they take this money and do what the province is suggesting, which is put it into infrastructure, capital spending, fix your sewer lines, fix your water lines, build some housing, yeah. even build a rec center? But don't put it into operations because you're going to have to fund it yourself. Which nicely. is what
1: Surrey is doing. They're Sur- putting it into operations, they're, basically.
2: Well, they, I don't think they've made the final decision, but okay. that seems to be what where they're headed. Which is able allowed them to reduce a seventeen and a half percent hike yeah. to a twelve and a half percent hike. But Vancouver's looking at a ten point seven percent increase. Victoria nine percent. Prince George eight percent. Port Moody's eleven percent. Uh, a number of municipalities are well over five percent, which is the biggest property tax hike in. Years and it's tempting, I'm sure, to use this money to bring those tax hikes down. Yeah, but you're kicking the can down the road,
1: okay? Minute left, Rob and Chilliwack. Rob, you got 30 seconds here. Go ahead, I'll be quick. Yeah, I agree, Keith. The Oscars, not for me anymore, it's boring. Having said that, my real reason for calling uh, the NDP sorry, but they have been crickets on violent crime for years now. All of a sudden, oh, Farnworth is all happy with what's going on, but they've said absolutely nothing, hence, Mike and Keith. That is why I joined the B.C. Conservative Party. My grandpa will be rolling over in his grave, my great-uncle Woodrow Lloyd. (laughs) I joined the Conservative Party because if you look at their platform, they've had it in there for how long? Crack down on violent crime. Defend the police. Don't defund the police. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the call. Ten seconds.
2: Yeah, well, I'll tell you, I think the Liberals are a little nervous about the B.C. Conservative Party. Now that John Rustad has gone over there, Rustad will likely be the party leader. Uh, And we'll see what role they play in the next election.